cliffcentral.com. Well, I'll tell you what I, I have had once is um, some of our next guests own homemade pasta. And Randall Abrams, can he can cook. This man can actually cook. Hey, Randall, you in your pajamas? Hey, hey. I am. <laughs> How he are you, proudly. man? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, everybody needs to know what it's like with this weather, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crap weather. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's... this is like Cape Town in winter, yeah. No, yeah, it's shit. So uh, are you well are you well otherwise? I mean I haven't spoken to you for a little while and um we we kind of send each other stupid jokes on WhatsApp but I actually haven't caught up with you for a while. Everything good? I'm I'm a thousand percent. Good man. I thought of you last yeah. week because we heard the news story about how music has closed its last stores. And yep. Obviously, this is very sad news for those of us who still have music collections because it's like the end of an era in some ways. I know you still go to vinyl shops and you find all these shops where they have music collections and things, but that 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 kind of thing is really now a, 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 almost an arcane curiosity. It's a you know you're a collector, so this is the sort of thing that you would do, but most of us don't, and we wouldn't even know where to find that stuff. Do you have some comments, first of all, on musical music are shutting down? And then also just talking about the state of the music industry in general and how it makes someone like you who loves music the way you do feel. Well, firstly, I think in the case of Musica, um, you know, the majority of the vinyl titles that they're selling or were selling um, were quite easily accessible online. Mm-hmm. So, so there was... You know, unfortunately, there was no real reason to to have to go out there. <laughs> and certainly in the past in the past year, um, you know, so many businesses that are online have have you know been wildly successful, while others haven't, for obvious reasons. I mean, you can take Amazon as the most True. you know prime example. And the fact is that um, people who go to bricks and mortar stores for vinyl are looking for an experience that not only includes finding things that I think we've lost you. Randall, I think you've you oh there you go, you're back. No. Um just try and come back in because we've lost you somehow. He was busy explaining that stuff. Such a Randall fan. Abrams has left the room. Yeah. He'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. <laughs> you must see this guy's uh, record collection. Oh, my word. Jesus. I can only imagine. No, it's something else. He's got a whole room. He's got a listening room. But, so, I mean, obviously you need a record player, right? Mm. And does he have more than one? Yeah, and these are state-of-the-art record players. You can ask him about it now when he comes back in. It's, I mean, they probably still make them, right? Oh, yeah. You can get new record players. Yes, and, and they are probably better than they've ever been at doing what they do. But you really have to look after your records because, you know, the big, the, the greatest enemy of a, a person who listens to vinyl records is dust. And they've come up with incredible technology to, like, actually get the dust out of a, a vinyl record and how to clean that stylus on your your record player. I mean, Randall's, he's into this stuff like you cannot believe. He, he spends, he, he buys magazines that I didn't even know existed. Things like <laughs> audio file magazine, which is, um, you know, it's about cabling and 
the kinds of speakers that you use and make really involved, intricate, detailed stuff. And he has headphones that you and I don't even know exist. Like you can't buy them on most websites. Yeah. I just find it amazing to think how much space in, in real space mm. a, a record takes up um, compared to what the space that it would take up on our computer. Well, none, because I, I've said to you before when we were talking about this music thing, I've got these thousands of CDs and they take up shelf after shelf after shelf. And mm. even though I've cleared out at least half of them, I've still got shelves full of them. And I, I just can't, it breaks my heart to throw them away. But obviously it takes up this much space on my laptop or, or, or my desktop computer. And to think that one day when you die, your brother and sister are going to be cleaning out your house and they're just going to t throw them in the trash. Yeah. Thanks very much. That's, uh, <laughs> that, that's like the end game for any collector. And it's the most depressing thought in the world. Like you spend your life trying to collect things that you care about. And then someone else just comes in and throws them away when you're not there anymore. Yeah. You've got to put this shit in your will. <laughs> well, I mean, I've often thought about, how many people I know who have really incredible collections of things. And I hope that they have made provision in their wills for somebody to look after that stuff when they're gone, because it would depress the hell out of me to think that some of these things that have been like a lifetime's work, you know, especially if yeah. somebody like Randall's record collection, for example, we'll ask him about it, but he has spent a lifetime finding these incredibly rare and, and special records that he listens to. He, he doesn't believe it should just sit on a shelf. He, he actually listens to them. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I but think imagine if it, if it was all just dispersed to the winds, you know, and then it, it's yeah. like, like it never existed. I think about my uncle who, who passed away last year and he was um, a drummer mm. and he's, he has three drum kits, sure. one of which he, built himself, um, you know, getting the best parts, uh, you know, parts that meant a lot to him. And now to sit with these and think, how do I even pin a value on these? Yeah. Because obviously I need to do something with them. I, you know, they take up a lot of space. Do you collect anything? Um, yeah, you mentioned the fact that you didn't collect stamps and that's something that I collected. Oh. Um, I've since passed them on to someone else. Um, and yeah, I have quite a good CD collection, but, and then, yeah, just... I'm, I'm back. Okay. Cool. Oh, he's Sorry. back. Yeah. We were, you were just talking about the, you were talking about the experience of going yeah, so, to a, a record store. So, so I think, I think what a lot of brick and mortar retailers have, have realized is that they need to offer a specialist product that people want to come and touch and feel. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and it's an experience that people want inside the store, you know? So I think that if you're just selling a product that's easily available and that you can have delivered to your house, then you've got a problem. So, and the other thing to mention about vinyl is vinyl sales around the world have been doubling year on year, every single year off a low base, albeit, but the figures show quite clearly that they've doubled and that's not even considering used records. That's just new records. Right. So there's clearly a young market out there because this is not just old people who have a, you know, an affinity for nostalgia. This is young people buying vinyl. 
in large amounts. Um, and, and, uh, and as I say, going out to bricks and mortar retailers and searching down records and, yeah, you, you know you. But you, I, I wanna, you don't find you don't find movies about CD stores. No, I, w- I want to talk about uh, old people collecting records um, because yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, sure, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a hell of a collection. <laughs> now, do, do you actually know how many records exactly you have? And explain to everybody. <sighs> explain that you have this room. Because I've told people about it, and they they're always like gobsmacked by the fact that you have a room where you listen to music. Yeah. So I guess the thing is that you want to, you know, I want to get as close to the music as possible. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you need to have a dedicated space to do that. You know, people have offices. You you have a studio where you, you do your show from. So, you know, a lot of people now have home offices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have a room where I go and listen to music. You know, music is not a, it's not a background exercise. It's a foreground exercise. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in a place where me and the music are as close as we can possibly be. Uh, and from a collecting point of view, I guess, you know, I started collecting in 1980. So that's a, that's a hell of a long time ago, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, if you're a record collector, I say to people, you know, if you go to a record shop or you go to a fair and you buy one record, as a collector, that's important if sure. it's the right record. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Sometimes you spend um, your whole you, life looking for for just one particular recording. You you believe me? I, I mean, there there are one or two records I really, really, really want to find. You know, I went. I was in Portugal over over Christmas, and I went to this record store, and I could, you know, through the glass, I could see some of the records. It was a really good record store, and they were closed. I oh. was devastated. <laughs> Worst oh man! Out of my trip. Oh, God. <laughs> so Leanne was asking just now when you know? when we were waiting for you to come back on. Do you, how often do you listen to some of these? And are there any records? Oh, there is gone again. Damn. Damn. God, that's irritating. You know, sometimes the internet is just so goddamn unreliable. I'm looking at my. Maybe we should here. have communicated via record player. Exactly. If we'd had, uh, if we used his music room, if we used, uh, if, if we'd used Randall's record room and his record player, we would <laughs> no problem whatsoever. Somebody says this here, newfangled technology. Somebody says, um, Leanne, when you were talking about your uncle with his three drum kits, did you really say drum kits or three drunk kids? Well, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Randall, we lost you for a second there. Okay, what what was the question? So the question was, <laughs> you have all these records, you have this listening room, but some people would, would have a collection and they'd never listen to this stuff. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. see a point in that, right? So so I say to people, because let me tell you a little bit about record collecting quickly, and it's very much like book collecting. Mm. So the condition of everything is really important, right? Mm-hmm. So people will say a cover is in VG, which is very good, and a record is... Mint minus, which means it almost hasn't been played. So mint is a sealed record, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and books are the same thing. You know, people will want if it's a, if it's got a, a dust jacket. Sure. People want to know the condition of the dust jacket. Well, dust jacket's not going to help you if you're reading the book. No. Right? But I it's mean, a quality <laughs> thing. Yeah. Exactly. So in the case I say to people, I listen to records. I don't collect them. So if the cover's not in great condition, but the record is, it makes no difference to me. 
you know, in fact, I'm very happy because if, if the cover were in perfect condition, the price would be higher. So I, I, I listen to records. I don't collect them. Okay. Nikki says, if you could save just one record from your collection. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, that's no like, way. that's like asking someone if, who their favorite child <laughs> is, their right? Children. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Nikki, Nikki, come back some other time. <laughs> <laughs> what is the holy grail of music that you have been struggling to find your whole life? Um, a copy of Led Zeppelin II Master by Robert Ludwig. Yeah, that comes from Tracy. Almost impossible. Obviously also big. That's so impossible. strange. I've got one of those in my bookcase. Leanne. Yeah, sure. Everybody does. <laughs> so funny you mention it. <laughs> now, what is the problem? Put it this way. I'll tell you, I'll tell you which record. Mm-hmm probably made me the happiest when it was remastered on vinyl and, and done by one of the best people in the world. Yeah. Uh, Dusty in Memphis by Dusty Springfield was mm. done by Kevin Gray about 10 years ago. I was, I mean, when I, when I went onto the website and there was an ad for it saying, you know, it's coming, I could not believe it. I kept clicking back on the site thinking, no, sure, really? And there, there it was. I was very happy. Very now, happy. When they release these things, do they release them as limited editions? I mean, do you? Yes. Have, are you part absolutely. of? Are you part of a database of people around the world who get these emails so, and then they warn you that yes, there's going to be the sale? Yes. So, so, so let me explain. Um, in the kind of most expensive record collecting, um, and there's a label now that's just entered the fray called Craft, which mm-hmm. is a, a universal label. Um, they'll do like. And, uh, you know, they do a record at a hundred dollars and they'll do a thousand copies and it will be pressed and plated. It'll be like the finest, you know, version of a record you can ever get. And they recently did John Coltrane's, um, not blue train, um, country lush life. Yeah. They, they were sold out. They were pre-ordered sold out. So it was mentioned on another website. Then they opened their website, and by the time I'd gone on, which was the same day, a thousand copies were gone. Jesus, unbelievable. Now, I I was mentioning how uh, Leanne upset me by saying that one day when I'm dead, then my brother or sister or someone else will just come into my house and just disperse my collections to the wind. And I, yeah. I'm sure that you've thought about that too, because you also don't have kids. And, and normally, if people do have kids, the kids don't appreciate what they collect anyway. So, I mean, you could probably donate some of your stuff to museums, but then yeah. what else would you do with a collection like this long term? I'm not going anywhere. No, I know you're not. You want to live forever. <laughs> For <very> long. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you're right. I'm probably going to, I'm not, I, I, I'm probably going to, in truth, when I'm that old, just give it to a great record shop for them to sell and let some other people come along and be like, oh my word, I can't believe I found this record. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah. Anushka says, my dad used to own records. I'm not sure what happened to those, but I distinctly remember. Sorry, Leanne, I'm just going to mute you in between because it, there's an echo. Uh, I distinctly remember that record smell. The smell makes me happy. It reminds me of happy times jamming to Peaches and Herb and Lionel Richie. Those were the days. That's Anushka. So, I mean, that's part of it, too, is that what you were saying, the, ex- the experience. That is, right? that is absolutely part of it. I read a great piece in Pitchfork, so I can't take uh, 
I can't uh, take responsibility and say that it was me who came up with it. But the person said that people want shrines to the things that they love. Mm. And you can't, you can't tell anything about a person uh, um, through their downloads of MP3s. No. But you can tell a lot about them when they've got a record in their house. So you can go over to someone's house and refuse to date them because they own a Barry Manilow record. <laughs> and believe me, believe me. You've done that. That happened, that happened many, many times in this world. You know what I mean? Like some guy would say, like, or some girl would say, I'm not dating this guy. He likes metal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Believe me, it's, it happens, you know. A hundred percent. So just quickly, another thing that Leanne brought up, um, and it's something I know about you, but, but most people don't even know this stuff exists. You, you can buy, um, audio equipment that is like out of the, out of the, the ballpark expensive and you can have stuff that most of us have never heard of in our lives. I mean, they don't just make a record player. You know, it's not the kind of thing that you buy from like a kid's store and that you can, mm-hmm. you have to use very specialized equipment in order to keep your, your records in good condition and in order to get the best audio quality. And you even subscribe to a bunch of magazines that most people have never heard of. And in, yeah. the, in those magazines, they update you on the latest development in audio technology sure. and, and sure. even old stuff that, you know, that they, that they still use in some places. I mean, how much has yeah. that changed? Because we know, for example, about computing and about the iPhone and about all those developments, but audio technology is also always improving, right? So the, the thing is that at the, at the very highest level, of uh, let's say let's talk about turntables for example we can talk about loudspeakers afterwards mm-hmm. at the very highest level at the you know the the companies who are obviously very very specialist companies who are making high end turntables you know they're they're able to get you know their designs machined by companies that are supplying NASA wow. so 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 you're able to get down to tolerances because ultimately all that you have with a turntable is a platter and a bearing and a motor and the thing has to spin at 33 and a third perfectly with as little resonance as possible. So all those things are obviously influenced by technology. Um, you know, motor technologies come on dramatically and obviously, you know, you can now machine a bearing a company that, as a as I say, is is supplying the aerospace industry. On the side, they can machine your bearing. So that's and that's what you're talking about. All right, in that case, you're talking about a turntable that's going to cost you, you know, 150,000 pounds. <laughs> um, but well, 250,000 pounds. Jesus. Uh, you know, um, but yes, then then you can you can, as I say, even for. You know, a reasonable amount, like thirty thousand pounds, you can get a you can get a machine that's, you know, as I say, just up to like ridiculously high spec and standards. No. Having said that, there are turntables made by the Swiss in the fifties that are still, uh, um, you know, absolutely adored by people today. Because the thing we mustn't forget is that at the one end of the scale, you've got these specialist companies charging ridiculous prices and doing machining you know, companies that are working for NASA. On the other hand, Hmm. in the heyday of the 80s, turntables were also obviously at an extremely high level because so many of them were getting made. Yeah, so they could could reduce the price and they could produce a lot of them. And you could get great 
great R&D because yeah. the price was reduced, you know. Um, Fatiswa says, and I want to hear your comments on this. My late husband was a, was a DJ and had many vinyls. So I've kept them yep. for our daughter. She turned 16 this year and she wants to use the vinyl to decorate her room. I'm horrified. <laughs> Kid, uh, my only comment is kids are overrated. <laughs> um, just to explain to, to anybody who's interested, like, are there still places you can go in South Africa to get vinyl records? I mean, are there still yes, record absolutely. stores? Absolutely. So in, in Johannesburg, there are quite a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benji Moody has a store in Blegari. There's a, a, a store called Mr. Vinyl in, at 44 Stanley. There are two microgram stores, one in Melville and one in, um, one in Parkhurst. There's a great store called Record Mad in Linden. Uh, there are record fairs. So there's a, there's a monthly record fair which happens at Pirates Club in Parkhurst. Uh, at the end of the month, I think the last Sunday of every month or the first Sunday of every month, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry. I just want to go back to that story about putting records on the, on the wall. Yeah, for two Someone's probably done that. Someone's probably done that with my copy of Led Zeppelin 2, the Robert Ludwig version. Oh my God. Deck. Deck. Oh. It's probably been turned into a clock by someone. Oh, the horror. Yeah. <laughs> Make you crazy. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Robin says, being a much younger sister, I was raised on my brother's vinyl collections, Queen, Genesis, Bruce mm-hmm. Springsteen, Pink Floyd. I remember being instructed on how to use vinyl and how to care for it as a four or five-year-old. This was interspersed Brilliant. by boxing lessons and games of cops and robbers. But how do you I look- trust your brother's, I, I trust your brother's Christmas present this year will be expansive. Yeah. <laughs> so wh- wh- what do you do to look after vinyl? Um, so that's a great question. You you simply learn. I mean, and the instruction videos and everything. So the instruction videos on YouTube. Yeah. But how to take a record out of its cover uh-huh. without touching it? And it's that simple. People, you know, would say, but but records break and they scratch and whatever. I've got records that are forty years old that are in absolutely mint condition simply by. Knowing how to pull it out of its cover, put it on the turntable, and put it back. It's not that difficult. I'm sure you've got books yeah. that are hundreds of years old yeah. that are in perfect condition. Never mind a record that's 40 years old. Uh, the other thing is you can get record cleaning machines, which are actually not that expensive. You know, if you've got a big vinyl collection, to invest 4,000 rand in a record cleaning machine is nothing. What does it use? Stuff like um, acetone and that kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so there are lots of chemical formulas made by, you know, obviously made by chemists that clean records. And usually it just looks like a little turntable and it's got like a little suction pad, like a vacuum cleaner to, mm. to pick up the, the liquid. Very simple. Okay. And as I say, if you've got a big record collection, well... It's like having shelves for your books. Yeah, correct. And you, you look Imagine after having it. a book collection when I, mean, the, I come to your house and you've got books stacked everywhere with no shelves. Someone's yeah. going to say, don't you think you should have shelves? I mean, you've got, you've got a room dedicated to this, but many people have whole houses just decked, you know, the, the whole place is just decked out with, yeah. uh, with some storage. Great, some great books about record collectors, yeah. So Steph says, do you remember Moolah's in Small Street Mall? Um, I don't. I knew about it, uh, but I was in Cape Town at the time. Okay. So I remember Ragtime and I remember Tracks. Those are the, the record stores that I remember. 
Tracy says Elvis Presley's suspicious minds on vinyl is probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Mm, Tracy, <laughs> I know that I say I know that I say kids are overrated, but if you're not doing anything later later this week, I'm free. <laughs> That's what'll convince you. I right? mean, we don't have we don't have to have kids. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when did most of the, the record stores, and, and you've got to also explain to people why CDs are rubbish and why MP3, <laughs> and why MP3 sampling loses. No, MP3s, MP3s are rubbish. Yeah, go on. Yeah, but why they lose so much quality and depth in a recording and, and, and what it is, because most people are really just consumers for fast food in terms of music as well. Sure. Not everybody's sure. like you, but there is an advantage to having music on a specific format because you, you get layers of sound that you pr- probably don't get from anything else. Uh, just sure. to, you, you might want to explain technically why there's a difference. Sure. So obviously the thing about sound is it's, it's decibel levels, right? It goes mm-hmm. from really soft to really loud. I mean, at, at the, at the very simplest level, that's mm-hmm. what you've got on a record. You've got a bunch of sounds that go from really soft to really loud. Right. And, You've now got to transfer what was on a either magnetic tape or recorded digitally. Mm-hmm. You've got to transfer that into someone's home as best you can. And what people don't understand is that records are just the most miraculous technology possible because you've got this little groove and in that groove, a diamond tip stylus is going to have to read the walls of sound as they go up and down. Uh, someone said that basically it was like trying to, you know, a, a record, a, a needle in a groove is basically like trying to keep a mosquito's tweeter still in a sandstorm. <laughs> That's how difficult it is. And basically, when you're cutting a record, right, the the engineer is trying to get as much of the soft sounds and the loud sounds onto that record as possible. And if the groove is wide enough and the engineer knows what he or she is doing, they're able to get a massive dynamic range onto a record. Now, CD is called Red Book, and that's because the Red Book, it was the, 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 the technical terms for CD were written in a Red Book mm-hmm. by the Japanese in the 1980s. And CD never really, when it, when it was first uh, um, released, the compression rate is 44.1. And the engineers kept telling the record companies they could do better. But the record company said, let's get this thing out, because everybody that has a record collection will also buy it on CD. Mm. And then they came up with this language of CDs better, it'll last forever, it's better sound than a record. And yes, there might not have been any scratches, because the majority of people didn't look after their records and there would be scratches, but... You can scratch and break a CD as well. Sure. The format wasn't, I I was there. It's not unbreakable. It doesn't last forever. And because of the compression rate of 44.1, you aren't able to get the softest and the loudest passages on a CD, which is why, for example, you know, records that are really loud are like classical records. Mm. Because you can imagine the sound of an orchestra dynamically goes from nothing, one guy playing a flute, to like, you know, the whole room, 50 musicians playing together. Yeah. And that's why some of the recordings made really simply in the 1950s are some of the most collectible classical records out there on Decca and RCA, you know, 
because uh, those recordings were so amazing, so dynamic. Um, and today with streaming, you're able to stream <clears throat> so 192K versus 44.1. Right. So clearly 44.1 wasn't the ultimate level, but it was it was a compression rate that worked and record companies wanted to release these things as soon as possible. Now, to give you an idea, an MP3 is 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 44.1 compressed down about 10 times. Yeah. Because because the, the, the people who developed MP3 were simply trying to make you hear what you needed to hear, what they believed the ear can hear, but compressing it down dramatically. So it's and like really, um, it's just like it's like um, chips that have, chips says, that have been fried says, in the in the same oil twenty times. And everybody says no, but you'd never hear the difference. I can guarantee you, you could get a deaf person; they'd be able to hear the difference. <laughs> you, you could you could literally play. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. You could you could literally play a an MP3, a CD, and a record, and I. I I can guarantee you everybody would know the difference because yeah. it would go from sounding really thin, like you had a transistor radio yeah. to sounding like you have a really expensive hi-fi. I know, I know Leanne's got some questions. She's got a, a really um, old CD collection that she uses to throw, th- throw it to birds in the <laughs> garden. But, <laughs> but do you have anything you want to ask uh, Randall? Yeah, just, I think the other thing is, very, very soon. So there's a very interesting thing that's going to have, that is happening in the hi-fi industry. That is that there's a company called Project who must be the biggest supplier of turntables in the world. You know, they sell a good turntable at a reasonable price. So they're, they're the number one when it comes to turntable, you know, good turntable manufacturers. Yeah. And they have in fact just brought out a CD transport, which costs about $3,000. And they believe that CD will soon be as collectible as vinyl. Because there's so many CDs out there yeah. that are not on streaming services and that were never on vinyl. Wow. Then, so I should hang on. Ah. To, so Leanne, we should actually hang on to our CD collections then. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, and, and it's the truth. You know, there's certainly when it comes to box sets and collections, there are tons of amazing box sets and collections that only came out on CD and aren't on streaming services. So they will become collectible. Sure. Very interesting. Yeah, man. I, I'm just always, uh, I find anybody who's got an obsession about something and is, is really, and you're obsessed about a lot of things, Randall. I mean, you, you, you're obsessed about, <laughs> you're obsessed with stuff in the kitchen. You know, you, you, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that people don't even know about you that you, that you're just absolutely devoted to. And I think that's what makes for an interesting life. I mean, hell. Yeah. You know, what do you want to, what do you want to spend your time, uh, doing mediocre stuff and being involved in, in the same boring political conversations that everybody's involved in when you can have. Yeah, we've got to, we've got to keep ourselves preoccupied with something before we die. (laughs) I also, I also think that, you know, your brain has got to, you, you were given a brain that hope, well, everybody was given a brain, but I mean, hopefully some of us can use it. Um, Um, I think that, you know, like I tell myself every day that I'm stupid. I wake up in the morning, I say, you stupid. I won't say the word, right? Because then at least it's a good way of starting. And like, you know, all these people with respect to get up and they try and 
you know, yeah, the motivational type world yeah. and like wow things are great and they've got all these spiritual things i've got nothing against that but i, I wake up in the morning and i say you stupid you know yeah. and then i spend the rest of the day trying to learn something <laughs> i love that that's well, like the, these people who get up and say i'm powerful i'm a powerful woman i'm I'm this and that can fuck off really. Yeah, like start start off you know, like, start off really low. And the thing is, like I know I'm stupid. I, I you know, like every you know that saying. Well, he or she isn't a brain surgeon. I'm sure you've you've yes, heard that, sure. right? Yeah. I I have a friend I went to school with who is a brain surgeon. Mm. He's he's the president of the International Neurotrauma Society. <laughs> I mean, that is that is like a. That's an achievement. Okay, yeah. let's not argue. Yes, the guy is actually a brain surgeon, right? I mean, I'm nothing compared to the guy. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I really respect and look up to him. And he was good at everything. He was great at sports. He was a gymnast. He could break dance and he played guitar. <laughs> I mean, the guy could do everything, <laughs> you know. But and I'm never going to be that. But I should at least try and say, okay. Again, I'm not saying that you should read the books I read. So I'm certainly not going to compare my reading yeah. Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, to your reading a book about Roman history. But we're trying. Yeah. And again, I don't expect, I'm not going to say to someone who doesn't read, okay, if they read like romance novels, I, mean, <laughs> I sure, might have a problem. Sure. But, you know, if someone tries to read a book and it's say like The Great Gatsby and it's above them, Okay. But they try, and then they go and Google it, and then they watch the movie. They're living for something. Damn right. They're moving humanity forward. In a, you know, everybody says, like, okay, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. That moved humanity forward. Yes, absolutely. But one person trying to figure out what um, a Tanua Chebi novel means mm -hmm. is also moving the world forward. You know what? I've, I've, I'm actually looking at a... a series of books that you told me to get when we were on idols years ago um and yep. james elroy do you remember you told me to read some of oh, those yes of course yeah, which is oh, great amazing. like american fictionalized history and it's it's terrific yeah. stuff but terrific, just yeah. just to end this off i mean what you're talking about is is the the randall abraham's patented theory of a negative reinforcement, right? This is what. Yeah. If you were a, if you were a motivational speaker, you'd, you'd go around the world telling people that they must believe in the power of negative reinforcement. In other words, you must keep yes. on telling everyone how useless and stupid they are, so that they can improve. It makes it well, makes so much it sense. For Nixon. Yeah. It makes so much sense. I mean, to to start off at that basal level, you can only do great things. Yeah. Otherwise, expectations are far too high, and then you'll you'll end up doing nothing and uh, sit on the couch and fart while watching romance movies. Yeah, you know the thing is, I think, and look, I watch a lot of, you know, I watch a lot of stuff. I'm watching Cheer on Netflix, by the way, which is really brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's got so many layers, and it's so well made. It's about a Cheer? cheerleading. Oh. Yeah, it's about a cheerleading squad, the Navarro cheerleading okay. squad of one every. But there's so many layers and such a depth to what is happening. On the surface, it looks like, you know, cheerleading, but it's not. It's, okay. it's about a lot of a lot of other things, and it's really well made. And you, 
you you're taking that into your life you're you're saying okay so my life should have layers so my life should have some sort of goal mm. doesn't matter what it is and i, I don't have a goal that says i'm i'm not going to be any cleverer tomorrow than i am today because i'm telling myself tomorrow that i'm stupid Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. No, think about it. Just, no, uh, so, just I, by so, the way, so uh, I tomorrow, just... I don't wake up tomorrow and say, wow, I learned so much yesterday. I wake up tomorrow and say, even, I, even if I give myself credit for having learned something the day before, I say, there's still so much to learn, you stupid. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I think this is a, this is a marketable product, this positive, uh, this negative reinforcement thing. And as you said, it definitely worked for Richard Nixon. Um, just by the way, I see Chair has like a 97% score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is amazing. And, uh, and wow. the reviews are incredible. So you got to watch this show. Okay. That's yeah. good. Now I've got another project. All right. Randall, thanks Fantastic. so much, man. Good to speak to you as always. And, uh, which dog is there? Both. Okay, because we can hear like the collar rattling. Oh man! Listen, you have to. I have to feed them before this, otherwise there would be no end. To it. <laughs> right. I know. I know that story well. Yeah. Have an awesome day. Thanks, man. Great. Thank you. Cheers, Randall. Cliffcentral.com.